you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. so humbled. I'm excited to see what God is going to do in each one of our lives, including myself. So can we pray? Is that all right? Do we believe in prayer? Do we believe that prayer works? Come on. Come on. Holy Spirit, thank you for already completing the work. Holy Spirit, thank you that the thing that you desired to do had already been appointed before the foundation of the earth. Thank you, God, that we are stepping into a finished thing, a finished work. God, I ask that you would please purify the speaker, that nothing would exit my lips but what I, what you, what we need, God, to hear. That you would ordain every word, every pause, every phrase, God, and that you would, even in this moment, start to heal, start to bless, start to impart, start to strengthen, start to build up, God, that you would begin, even right now, doing your miracles, God. We love you so much. We love your name. And in that amazing, beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, can we just give ourselves a pat? We made it. Give ourselves a pat on the back. We made it. 2019 is about to be in the history books. And praise God that once again, the devil is a defeated foe. Everything he intended against you this year failed. You are here in church. You are worshiping God. You are giving him glory. Everything he desired against you did not prosper this year. Amen. Thank you that we are walking into 2020 into victory. Who believes that? We are walking in victory. Now, I I am always so convicted um, that we know that we already have a victory that has been purchased for us on the cross, that we might call it the cross of Jesus Christ, but we know that was our cross. That was my cross, right? That was your cross. Jesus came as a baby, which we celebrated just four years, four years, four days ago. Can we believe it just already feels like we're in a completely new place, right? That Christmas came and it went, but the love of our Father, um, the incredible gift of his son stays with us day after day, year after year. Um, I have a coworker who is a twice a year Catholic. Does anyone know any twice a year Catholics? God bless. It takes, you know, it takes a village. Twice a year Catholics. And so we were having a conversation, um, the day after Christmas at work. Um, she went to Christmas mass and she had told me that she never really understood why Jesus came as a baby. That concept she just didn't really get. And so she was listening to the priest give his homily and that priest talked about Jesus coming so he could be relatable, so we could relate to him. Now, it's hard to understand a God that's far off, but it's much easier to understand a God who looks like you, who talks like you, he's relatable in that way, and I, I think that there is so much truth in that. But I also want to declare that, that that is not the reason Jesus came. Jesus came to take away sin, Amen. The purpose of his coming was to remove sin from us, all right? Now, there is a lot of scripture that we are going to get into. Get ready. Text your friends that you will not be making brunch plans this afternoon. The next 17 hours, we're just going to be here talking about Jesus, how good he is. Maybe not 17 hours. Um, But we are going to be going through the book of Hebrews together, um, chapter 10 specifically. So if you can get there, 
that would be awesome. And we're going to start in verses one and two. I am reading in the New Living Translation, and it sounds like this. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they never were able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Someone say perfect cleansing. Perfect cleansing. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. Now, church, this morning, super simple message. I believe Jesus Christ wants each one of us to walk into 2020 with no more feelings of guilt. No more feelings of guilt because of sin. Some translations literally say no more consciousness of sin. I love that. That sin doesn't even factor into our mind, our hearts, and the way we live our lives. And that gets me super excited because I, I who reads their Bibles? Who reads their Bibles? Come on. Who reads their Bibles? So if you read your Bible, you know that in the Old Testament, there was a different way people had to approach God. This is why Jesus coming is such a huge deal. That in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, if there was a person who broke either the Ten Commandments or the law of God given by Moses, if that person did that, they would have to bring a sin offering. Someone say sin offering. They'd have to bring a sin offering. Now, that sin offering would vary based on the sin they committed, their intention, um, their income, how much they made, but it would always either be a bull, a goat, a lamb, two turtle doves, or for the very, very poor, a fine measure of flour which would all be burned before God as a sacrifice. Now, who knows God does not need lamb burgers. He is not interested in turtle dove for breakfast. That is not the intention of God requiring these sacrifices from his people. Why they are required, we find out in Hebrews 9, the chapter before the chapter we just talked about, we just heard about, we just heard from. And in that chapter, it says, according to the law, one may almost say, all things are cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So this is why we say Jesus coming was a huge deal because without Jesus's blood, his dying, the shedding of his blood for us, our sins are not forgiven. Now these lambs and goats and bulls were pictures for the children of Israel of their Messiah who would give his own life be sacrificed so their sins would be forgiven. Now who knows that Jesus is that Messiah? Someone say, hallelujah, our sins are forgiven. We are not dead in our sins. Now I want you to see something amazing in the verses we just heard about. So if we start again, Hebrews verse one, it says the sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Now, this system of sacrifice had to continue year after year, day after day, because it could not make perfect. It could not cleanse perfectly the people who were drawing near to God. So they had to come back. Every time they sinned, every new year, they had to bring a new sacrifice. But we know that the sacrifice of Jesus did not cover sin, it cleansed sin. 
right? Do you hear the difference into those two words? It's not a covering of sin, that sin's still there, but there's a covering. It's a cleansing of sin. So sin is removed. Amen? Amen? All right. His sin, his, forgive me, our sin was cleansed perfectly by his blood for all time. Did somebody see that in the scripture? For all time. So I need to break this down because I believe that it's important. That word perfect, perfect cleansing, means to finish, to accomplish, and to complete. Now in this way, we have been made perfect. Someone say perfect. We have been made perfect in Christ. All right, our behavior may not be perfect. Who knows that? (laughs) Our behavior may not be perfect. The things we think and do and say may not be perfect, but Christ in his incredible sacrifice has cleansed us of our sin and so we are seen as perfect before God. We are cleansed perfectly in his sacrifice. In Christ, I lack nothing. My deficiencies are covered completely. I am filled up. I lack nothing. Now, this is so, so important because if we know we've been made perfect in Christ, we will not live our lives trying to win God's approval through our actions, nor will we think that we have lost his approval because of the things we do. Does this make sense? That if I know that I have been given perfect standing before God, what I do is not the basis on which God judges me. He judges me on the perfect, complete work of his son. Amen? Amen? All right. Now, if we believe that, something should happen. I just heard a bunch of amen. So if we believe that, right, if we are confident in that, something should happen to us. There should be an impact in us. And look at verse 2. This is the impact. This is what should happen. Verse 2, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. If the worshipers would have been purified once for all time with the sacrifices of bulls, goats, sheep, and turtle doves, their guilt, their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. Their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. Paul is saying that if those sacrifices had worked, they would have no more consciousness of sin. Their feelings of guilt because of sin would have been removed. Now, we know the sacrifices of bulls and goats did not work, but the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross did. Amen? His sacrifice has perfectly cleansed us from all of our sins. If we drop down a little bit further in that chapter, Hebrews 8 to 10, it says, first, Christ says this, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second covenant into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Someone say once for all time. Once for all time. So if you believe that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ has worked in your life, you should be cleansed of feelings of guilt once for all time. You should no longer be consumed thinking and feeling and worrying about, did I do this? Did I do that? You should walk with a confidence knowing that your sin is not a barrier between you and God. Now, dropping down a little bit further in this chapter, in verse 14, it says, by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified or made holy. So, so often I feel like in Christendom, I've been a Christian for a while now, um, there, there sometimes is this false piety 
almost or this feeling that I'm being humble if I hold on to my feelings of guilt or if I hold on to this kind of awareness, this consciousness of the things I did wrong 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. We think we're being made holy by remembering our sin, but we already have been made holy. I don't know if somebody caught that. We think we're being made holy. We think we're being holy, holding on to our sin, holding on to those feelings of guilt. But church, you have already been made holy. You've already, holy literally means to be set apart for a purpose. God has already done that. He has already chosen you and set you apart for a purpose. Your holiness is not rooted in your action. Your holiness is rooted Come on, on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for you. Can I get an amen to that? Can I get an amen to that? Woo! Now, when I was working on this message, I couldn't get over that word worshipers. You know when Jesus just kind of confronts you with something? I couldn't get over that word worshipers, right? So I looked it up, and it's translated as a person who perform, performs, excuse me, sacred services to offer gifts to worship God, and it literally, that word is used of priests. Worshipers would, would specifically be those who are, are called into the priesthood. Now, in the Old Testament, if we go back to that picture we're in the temple, the bulls, the goats, the turtle doves, all of that's happening. Now, if a priest on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, goes into that temple to perform the atonement act, that one big sacrifice for the entire children, the entire body of Israel, if they do not perform that act perfectly, church, they drop dead. There's no redo. Not only that, the children of Israel essentially are under a curse for that entire year. Crops don't grow. Strife in the home. Like, it's, it's massive. The favor of God is literally withheld from the children of Israel for that year. Now, who knows that they've been made priests in the house of God, that we are all kings and we are priests in the house of God, amen? So if that is true, the fact that God accepts our praise and he does, he accepts our worship and he does, he accepts our service and he does, that literally means we must have been cleansed because God cannot accept anything tainted with sin. If there's sin in our worship, in our actions, in our, in our service to God, it can't be accepted by a holy God. The only way for that to be possible is for God to see us as holy, cleansed, and perfect in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is the only way that we are able to operate in the system. That is the root and foundation of our Christian life. And I can't help but thinking, but we sometimes if I may offer humbly, that sometimes we discount the sacrifice of Jesus by holding on to a guilty conscience. We say, Jesus, you must not have done a good job. (laughs) Because if you did, then my guilt, my sin, or or the feelings associated with my guilt and my sin should have been removed. But by saying that, no, I'm going to hold on to them. No, I, I'm pretty sure I need, to, I, I need to hold on to these feelings. I need to hold on to that. We are essentially saying that Jesus did not do a good job cleansing our sin. Because if he did, we would have released that. We would have let that go. Now, I want to go back to Hebrews because it's so good. Verse 14, again, it says, for by one offering, excuse me, for by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified or made holy. That word sanctified means made holy. Now, 
I, I'm always asking God, what does this mean? <laughs> Lord, your scripture is so good, but what is, what's going on here? What are you trying to say? And so he brought me to that scene in John 13. The night before Jesus is about to go to the cross, we see him taking the Passover meal with his disciples in the upper room. Judas has just left to betray him. And Jesus, and this is, this is from the word, this is what it says, the, the account, knowing that the Father has given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, I love this, that he had come from God and was going to God, put aside his outer garments and began to wash the disciples' feet. He gets to Peter, and Peter, gotta love Peter. He gets to Peter, and Peter says, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answers him and says, if I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. You will have no part with me. Peter said to him, Lord, then not just my feet, my head, my hands too. And Jesus says to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except his feet, but he is completely clean. Church, this is a picture of our Christian walk, right? Our feet may not always be clean. Our walk with the Lord, our daily actions, the things we do, the things we say may not always be clean, but we are completely clean in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. With our Father looks at us, he doesn't see sin. He sees us completely clean, washed, and made perfect, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus has done. We are in him and we are perfect. Our actions and our walk, hear me, our actions and our walk need daily cleansing. Amen? But we are in the continual wash cycle of his grace. He constantly is washing us. And when God the Father looks at you, he sees you as his sinless son, his sinless daughter. And if God says you're clean, you are clean. Amen? Which means you should be free from the guilt of sin. Hallelujah? Free. Now, what does Hebrews 10 have to say? Am I just making this up or can I back this up with scripture? I think I can. I think I can. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit is quoting from the book of Isaiah and he's saying this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. This is the new covenant. Someone say new covenant. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day. Who says that day has come? Amen. In the sacrifice of Jesus. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will write, I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds and I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Never again. Never again. So this begs the question, if God doesn't remember our sins, why are we remembering our sins? Why is our memory better than our father's? Now there is a huge difference. Hear this too. There's a huge difference between learning from past mistakes, right? We have a proverb in my family, the person who falls shows the ones around them where not to step. So there is lessons to be learned in the mistakes that we make, absolutely. But that's massively different than holding on to a guilty conscience. And I believe the Lord wants to give the gift of forgetting in this house this morning. I believe, now this is not, I will never get up here and say, do this on your own. I believe that if God wants the credit, let God do the work. 
So if there is, is an area in your life that you feel like, I just can't let go, I just can't stop reliving this past sin or this past mistake, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to supernaturally release that off of your life this morning. Not by might, not by power, by the Spirit of the living God, amen? That he is the one that I believe is going to do this work. Those mistakes that have terrorized you for years do not get to come to 2020 with you. We are shutting that door. We are letting that go. We walk into 2020 in the full realization of who we are in Jesus Christ or we don't go at all. That is how we are stepping into this next decade and for the rest of our lives. Amen. Now, I, I also want to say this is, this is not a message that says your actions don't matter. Just do whatever you want to do. And I say that because I know that no person who has been transformed by this mind-blowing gospel that has received the grace of Jesus Christ on their lives, no one in that state is trying to sin. No person who has been blood-bought by Jesus and knows it is looking for opportunities, opens the door each morning looking for a way to sin and get away with it. We are fleshy people who find ourselves trapped, literally trapped in cycles of sin, looking for a savior that's going to pull us out of that pit, and he will. Now, this is why I talk about guilt as not, this is not optional, because I believe the devil uses guilt and sin consciousness to keep us in a stronghold, in a pattern of sin. That's why we can't stay here, right? We need to be free in this area, and we're believing God to do that freedom for us. Now, (laughs) we, we have... We sometimes, again, I will humbly suggest, especially as we go forward in our Christian walk, can see sin as a huge red flag. But I want you to know that you are not a sinner that is trying to get right with God every time that you fail. You have to know that you've been made right already. Why? Because Jesus made you right. We can never and we will never be able to right these sinking ships on our own. We have to get into a brand new boat with a savior whose ship never sinks. We may run aground a few times or more than a few times, depending, some of us, me. Um, (laughs) But how God sees us never changes. We are seen as beloved, we are perfect, and we are righteous in Christ. Someone say, in Christ. Never in ourselves in Christ. When I was a really, really young Christian, maybe eight or nine, super young, I went through a season that every time I was in a church service or a prayer meeting and the pastor at the end would give a call, the altar call, to rededicate your life to Christ, I'd run right to the front. Because I was sure either when I talked back to my mom or was mean to my little brother or just plain sinned against God in my heart, I was sure that I was rejected or apart from God and needed to rededicate my life back to him. Now, did my consciousness of sin cause me to earn God's favor? It kept me in constant limbo, thinking that I was always in and out of fellowship with God. Now, I want to suggest that that is not the position Jesus died for you to have. And it is extremely hard to have faith for anything if you believe that God is happy with you on Monday, but angry at you on Tuesday. And that if you are, if you are good today, you can expect the blessing. You can expect his favor. But if you're bad next week, you lose it all. Hebrews 10 says that it was God's will for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ once for all time. 
Someone say once for all time. Once for all time. At my core, at eight or nine, I was practicing a belief that my sin was greater than the sacrifice of Jesus because Jesus only had to die once for me to be reconciled with God. But I, every time I did something wrong, had to find my way back to him. I had to chart my own course back to God each time. But that is impossible, church. It is impossible for us to get right with God on our own. That's literally the purpose of Jesus coming. Because there was no entry back to God. God had to create one to then reach out and bring us back into fellowship with him. I believed that my repentance is what brought me back in favor with God. And church, again, simply not true. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God did not wait for anyone to repent before he sent his son. God was not standing on the sidelines waiting for us to figure out that we had messed up before he sent the son of his love, literally given up on the cross for us. Now, of course, as children of God who love him, we want to run into his arms when we fall and skin our knees because we know that love and comfort is there. But God does not stand there with his arms crossed in a corner of the room waiting for us to repent before he loves us and extends his grace to us. Why do you think the people in the Bible who Jesus healed, each one of them were sinners? Not a single one of them had accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior before he healed them. But he did it anyway. Because sin does not prevent the power of God from operating in your life. We have a picture of a God in the parable that Jesus told of the prodigal son who ran while the foolish son was still a far way off. Our God didn't just run to us. He gave up his son for us. He welcomed us into his embrace so that we could be reinstated as full-fledged daughters and sons once and for all. The only thing that was keeping God back was sin before the cross. And sin is not the issue anymore. It is our responsibility to receive the love that is being poured out in buckets towards us. So when the devil tries to remind each one of us of our failings and our shortcomings, it is high time we point him back to the perfect redeeming work of Jesus on the cross. Hebrews 10, 18 says, now where there is forgiveness of these things, sins, iniquities, all that jazz, when there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering or sacrifice for sin. Please stop sacrificing your joy, your confidence in the Lord's love for you, your peace, trying to do a job that Jesus has already done perfectly. He has cleansed you perfectly. And after finishing the work, he sat down because the work was finished. I believe that it is high time we also take our place and sit down. Not because everything we do is perfect. Not because we don't mess up. Not because we don't have mistakes that we make regularly, repeatedly, but that because we exist in the body of Jesus Christ, in him we live, move, and have our being. Knowing that a, gui knowing a guilty conscience does not keep us from sin. It keeps us focused on ourselves and our shortcomings and our mistakes, which makes us doomed to repeat those same mistakes. Instead of looking at the perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross and being set free. 
Now, church, I am praying that these words percolate in your heart, that God is not holding anything against you based on your sin. Instead, he sees you righteous, which means he sees you perfect in his son, the son of his love. You have right standing with God, which means everything God has access to, everything Jesus has access to, you have access to. Know that the Father is holding nothing back from you. Nothing back. Can we pray? Can we bow our heads? Can we pray? Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. In the perfect work of your Son, Jesus Christ, we have been set free. We have been redeemed. Lord, this is a gift. This is a price we could never repay. And so all we can do is say thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for doing this incredible cleansing work. With every head still bowed, if you don't know this amazing Savior, if you don't know this incredible Jesus, this is your invitation. This is your moment when all heaven breaks loose in praise and celebration, in joy, because you've come home. You're the son, you're the daughter they've been waiting for, they've been looking for. They've been waiting for this moment with bated breath. They've watched you your entire life, ecstatic for this day (laughs) in 2019, when you would say yes, and you would receive that incredible gift. If that's you, I want you to say this prayer under your breath. Heavenly Father, I need you. I repent of the only sin that matters, and that's not believing on your son, Jesus Christ. I ask him into my life, into my heart, into my home this day. I believe he is who he says he is. I believe that he's the Messiah. And I set my hope and my trust on him. I know this doesn't mean my actions will be perfect, but you are perfect. And I receive your perfection as a free gift. Let's all say together, amen. Amen. If that was you, I would love for you to visit the info desk after this message. Let them know. They want to put a Bible in your hands. They want to talk to you. They want to make sure you're connected. This is not one and done. We're on a journey together and you're family now. So we want relationship with you for the rest of your lives. I also want to say one more thing. I believe that who knows that God shows up just on time. I love that message. Come on, Julia. God shows up right on time. God shows up right on time. I know we're already thinking about 2020. We're already living in that place. But who knows that God has appointed days left in this year. And he wants to accomplish some things in those days. I believe the thing that you've been believing God for in 2019 will happen in 2019. That there is not too little time. Is the Lord's hand shortened that it cannot save? There is still time left for God to accomplish a mighty thing. I know that he's going to accomplish those things. I'm believing with you. Believe with me that our God who saves, whose name is literally Savior, is not done saving situations, circumstances, and people before the clock stripes 12. Amen? Before the ball drops. God is doing a work. And then this is just a little bit of a treat for me. In my household, on the first, first moments of the new year, we always say these, these couple of lines to each other. It's a poem by Minnie Louise Haskin, and it's called Gate of the Year, and I want to read it to you. It says, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, 
Give me light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God. That shall be better to you than light and safer than any known way. Amen. Church, I love you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.